All right. Uh, hey, welcome back, everyone. It's been kind of a long hiatus. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I got a new mic uh, for Christmas. I'm hoping this will uh, in inspire me to do a little more podcasting in general. Um, makes me feel a little more official, a little more professional, a little more fun for me uh, to have a big-ass mic right here in front of me. Um, but I was thinking, uh, you know, it's, it's the end of the year. Uh, it's December 30th right now. And uh, there's been so much Marvel content this year. Uh, in fact, oh, let me count. I think it's, um, I have nine things to rank on here. Just that close to 10. It would have made this a little more, a little more, uh, you know, it would have, would have, uh, made me feel better. It would have, would have looked nice. Um, but yeah, I've got, uh, you know, five, uh, five TV shows and four movies here, um, for me to rank. I think, um, overall, well, I guess I'll talk about overall at the end. But uh, this is how I feel about the stuff now. I think I've seen all of these once. All the way through each of these once. Even the movies. Um, I haven't bothered to go back to see any of them again. Um, one of them is an exception. I'm seeing it again tonight. So if you can, guess the, if you can figure out the timing, you can probably guess which one that is. Um, but I guess I'll just I'll get right into it. So, uh, number nine, uh, this feels like such a long time ago at this point. So does uh, WandaVision, but um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, this is at the bottom of my list. I'd probably put it pretty close to the bottom of the entirety of the MCU as well. Um, maybe not pretty close, but it's in the bottom five for me. Uh, I thought this show was pretty bad. Um, I was really disappointed because actually, other than Spider-Man, it was the most excited I was for any Marvel project um, this year, going into 2021. Uh, but I was I was really, really surprised at how bad this was. Um, the first episode is fine. I thought actually it was pretty good. I was like, it felt like a good setup. We got the setup for Bucky, um, for Sam and the legacy of Cap's shield. And I can't remember John Walker's in episode one, but um, he's also, I, I liked him. He's a good character. But, uh, and then I remember, like, the second episode, I was like, wow, this really feels weird. Like, I think it's Bucky and Sam meet in the second episode, and I was like, wow, they actually really don't have good chemistry. And then third episode came along, and I was like, wow, this is really bad. And then the fourth episode came along, and fifth episode came, and whatever. But um, the middle part of the show is is really bad. I'd say the first episode and the last episode are, are fine, are pretty good. Um but uh, if you ask a lot of people, it's really hard to remember like what actually happens in this show uh, between the front and the middle and the, the front and the back. So like the beginning and the end. Um, uh, I think it really suffers from not following through with uh, some of the characters like all the time. Uh, I feel like kind of the, the characterization of Bucky and Sam was just kind of forgotten about in the middle of the show. Um, especially Bucky, he really takes a backseat. So by the end of his arc, it doesn't really feel like he earned what he gets. Um, uh, Sam, uh, Sam is, is fine. Um, you know, as a character, I didn't really feel like there was a lot that was, um, super profound. It's kind of hard because I felt like they were bouncing him off of, um, the villain Carly Morgenthau or Flag Smasher, uh, and the Flag Smashers who are, some of the worst villains Marvel's ever come up with, uh, because they just, uh, they never actually, um, you never really sympathize with them, despite the fact that pretty much the crux of the show is that these people are 
quote unquote terrorists, but they're only terrorists from, you know, America's perspective. Um, but it, it doesn't really work because they actually are terrorists. They don't really do anything but terrorize um, and, and be violent. And there isn't really that much or any of the show where the Flag Smashers are portrayed as good people. Um, there's that lady, the old lady that dies, um, that uh, Carly is kind of uh, sad about. But, I mean, there's like three or four points in the show where she gives a speech to the Flag Smashers who are all like, oh, we're unassuming, you know, like we're not supposed to work like that, Carly. And then she's like, well, we work like that now. And then I'm like, I never saw you work like anything else. You were always villains. Um, and uh, so unfortunately, having Sam bounce off them really doesn't suit, uh, like, um, doesn't really make his character all that more interesting. Uh, I liked the stuff with the boat in New Orleans and, uh, you know, the potential ship with his with Sam's sister and Bucky. That was kind of fun and interesting to me. Um, other than that, I can't really remember a lot I like about the show. Um, I guess, okay, I'm sorry. There are two other characters I like. Isaiah Bradley is good. In fact, he's really good. Uh, I hope we return to him later. Uh, it doesn't seem like he was given that much of a spotlight in the show. Uh, he, he's kind of a, maybe a, an important part of why Sam even picks up the shield in the first place. Uh, but, um, Isaiah Bradley was good. I liked that political messaging. Um, probably the only political messaging in the show that I thought was good or well handled. Um, I mean, I it was, you know, I, I'm trying not to be biased here, but I, I thought the, the messaging was really forced. Like, you know, people complain a lot about forced politics in fiction and pop culture nowadays. Um, but... I mean, this was the definition of forced. I mean, it was clunky. It was clumsy. Uh, the scene with the cops, like, profiling Sam was really out of place and kind of random to me. And kind of, like, cartoonish, too. Like, exaggerated, in my opinion. Um, the the messages about uh, that Sam... Like, basically, the speech Sam had to give to the senator at the end, I thought were really, like, ham-handed and, and not really... It, it doesn't really say good things about the political messaging of your show if you had to have the main character explain it to someone else for a minute. Um, and I understand uh, what the show is going for, and I understand how John Walker was a part of that. Um, and I think John Walker is actually pretty well handled as a character. Uh, you know, the soldier, but not the good man. Um, and I like, actually, that at the end he's not totally a villain. It makes him more complex and uh, I, I guess we have more to see from him because he's a U.S. agent and Madame Hydra visits him at the end. Um, but uh, I, I liked what they did with him and I liked his actor too. Um, I guess there's not that much else I want to say about the show. I just didn't really find it all that interesting. I, I, I like that Sam is Captain America now. I always liked that. And I knew that that was what the show was leading towards. Um, but it was a really badly executed way um, to get there. Uh, and, uh, that soup, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really, really bright and I don't know. I mean, like, I know he's Captain America and Captain America should be, you know, having like bright colors all over his body, but I just, I mean, I don't like it as much as any of, um, the other suits. I guess if they just like muted the colors a little more, it would look better. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, uh, he looks cool while fighting as Cap too, but, um, that's really the most I remember about the show at this point. Uh, it, it's really not a memorable show, and I hope that um, the writers... Uh, 
do better for Captain America 4 because the same people are doing that, um, which really is unfortunately not a good sign to me because I thought that the fact that so many people kind of ate this show up uh, was really was really depressing. Not depressing, but I don't know. It's like it feels a little bit like Marvel is trying less hard sometimes nowadays, um, and I'd say this show is part of that. Um, I didn't even mention Zemo or Agent 13, but they were just awful, and they were they made no sense. They were not very again the, the actors weren't very good and they didn't bounce off they, their their stories didn't work in the show that well um i guess i like that zemo is killing the um uh uh he killed the flag smashers really because i did not want the flag smashers to appear again but um i don't know i just like his placement in the show is so weird and um kind of badly paced so yeah those are my thoughts on the show i'm done now uh, number eight is What If. Uh, it's kind of weird to count this show with the others, so it's like not really fair. Um, I mean, maybe amidst the other shows, this is obvious to some of you. Uh, or maybe to some of you, you liked this show a lot more than, than um, the rest of the Marvel stuff this year. Um, I didn't really get this show. I didn't get... Um, I mean, I guess some of the episodes were really fun. Um I really liked the Killmonger one. I'm trying to think of another one I liked. Uh, the Zombies one was, that was terrible. I didn't like the Doctor Strange one that much. Um, I don't know. It wasn't... In a way... It, oh, I liked the Black Panther one. The Star-Lord Black Panther one. Um, but I, I was kind of like, this is weird and not very creative in some ways. Um, I thought... Oh, oh, the Ultron. If What if Ultron won one was kind of fun. Uh, really only with... Um, uh, with the, um, what's his name being part of it again, uh, the robot, the computer, Arnim Zola. Um, that was just kind of a fun little twist. But I, again, like I can't really recall that much from this show, and it didn't really leave that much of an impression on me. I guess I'm glad we have it, like a lot of other stuff on this list, because it was really fun to have something to watch, you know, after on Wednesday nights. Um, so. Uh, that's really all I can say about it. I don't know how much more the MCU is going to reference from it. I don't really care for the second season, or I'm not that excited about it, unless I see some really crazy stuff, I guess. Um, I guess if what I mean by not creative enough to me is just sometimes the episodes, save for a few, um, you know, the Black Panther Star-Lord one was kind of, like, very creative, I thought, and kind of crazy. Uh, you know, having Thanos be, like, a good guy now is just kind of out of left field and pretty fun. Um... As much as I liked the Killmonger one, that really was more because I just feel like we have more to see from that character. Uh, and it was nice to see Michael B. Jordan reprising his role again. Uh, but like the Captain Carter one, it was pretty much just the first Captain America movie, but with Captain Carter at the center of it and Hydra Stomper um, there. So again, like really not all that memorable to me. Uh, also, I really did not like some of the animation. I think it would be better serviced if it was all in 2D. Um, I thought a lot of the 3D models looked really bad. Okay, um, number seven, uh, Number seven. yes. Uh, Black Widow. I can't tell what the consensus is on this movie. Uh, I guess this came out in July? June? I can't remember. I think July. Um, uh, I, I didn't really like this movie all that much. I don't really have a desire to see it again. Um, when I, I texted someone after seeing the movie coming out of the theater and they said, yeah, I was surprised that like they couldn't make Black Widow very interesting, um, even in her own movie. 
And I kind of get that, especially like with the need to surround her with like pretty good supporting characters, I thought. Um, some of them were. Uh, I really like the whole angle of the fake family and them like figuring out, like like realizing what parts of it were real and what weren't. Uh, but the movie is just full of kind of bad action, in my opinion, which was really surprising because Black Widow, whoever makes the Black Widow movie should should be, you know, it should it should feel like you're watching a really well-made action movie. It should feel like John Wick. It should feel like uh, Bourne um, or even The Matrix. Like, it didn't feel like any of that to me. It felt like um, Captain America. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people were saying she really shouldn't have survived some of the stuff that she was she went through in this movie and i agree not be that's not like a critique of like oh the movie's so illogical it was just like this isn't the kind of action i think i should be seeing in a black widow movie um like the car chases i didn't find all that interesting uh really really cgi-ish a lot of the movie which was again surprising because you know black widow is a is a human uh she has no powers she should be getting by on skill and uh you know a lot of Winter Soldier even looked more practical in this movie. Um, so that really bothered me. Um, the story is okay, I guess. Um, I thought the final confrontation with Drakoff um, was was interesting. I liked... He was actually really good and really chilling, I thought. Um, uh, but I don't know how I feel about, like, the, you know, flashbacks being, like, how they explain how she gets out of that situation. Like, that just feels kind of cheap to me as a viewer, um, it would make, it, w- it would feel more like, uh, it would feel more earned if I, f- if I had actually seen those scenes earlier in the movie, obviously I understand it would take away some of the surprise, but it was kind of weird. Like everything that she did, she was impervious to him basically because they had already gone over it. <laughs> and that was kind of lame. Um, in my opinion, one thing that people really shit on about this movie that I don't agree with is taskmaster. Um, I thought taskmaster was pretty cool. Uh, I thought the twist, I saw it coming, uh, not to be a dick, I did see it coming, uh, but it was a good twist, I thought, and, um, the people online who are like, damn, they ruined Taskmaster, I'm like, shut up, I, I'm like, what, what, what more do you want, guys, like, it, 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 are you mad because he's, she's a woman, like, I, I kind of think that's part of it, um, by the way, which is, like, an important part of the story because it's supposed to be another, like, basically victimized little girl inside that big suit which is heartbreaking um and you know it serves with the theme of the rest of the movie um but like people are like oh my god he was he used to be so witty and like he didn't need technology in the comics and i guarantee you 70 percent of the people complaining about it online haven't actually read a single comic with taskmaster in it um i haven't but like he is not all that interesting i guess people think he's witty and cool or they just like him being a man. But it didn't really feel like character assassination to me because he's not all that well-established as a character. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be cheap and, and you know put words in people's mouths. I don't think it was only that she was a woman. I genuinely think people just have weird problems with seeing some characters adapted differently on screen. But um, I, it didn't feel at all like... It, it would have been random if he was anyone else, to be honest. <laughs> Um, so I don't agree with that. Uh, and I liked Taskmaster and I didn't care that she studied, like, I guess she used technology, but she also studies the Avengers fighting. Um, and, uh, I guess 
everything else. I, I you know the characters um, love Red Guardian. He's really funny, uh, and that's pretty much all I can say about the characters I liked. I guess I like Taskmaster, but she's not really a character. Um, Drakov isn't even that in the movie that much, but he really acts super well in that one scene that he has with with Black Widow. Um, no idea why Ot Fegbenli is in this movie. Um, he's in like three scenes, and they're really arbitrary. Uh, Scarlet, uh, Black Widow's mom. I mean, a little forgettable. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, Florence Pugh. Listen, I know people really like Florence Pugh in this movie, but I kind of thought she was trying really hard. And maybe that's not her fault. I think she's a great actress, and I love her. I think it was the movie trying super hard to make her quirky. Um, and in some scenes, I understand that some scenes are supposed to be emotional, but like I, ugh, I just like it didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't think she was funny, and they were really trying to make her funny. Um, something that continues to a certain extent in Hawkeye, but I think is better in Hawkeye. Uh, I guess I want to move on. Okay. Next, uh, number f six is WandaVision. Uh, I think some people would put WandaVision higher in this list. I was really into WandaVision when it came out. Uh, and then I remember, like, the finale. It, at the moment, like, watching the finale, it left such a bad taste in my mouth that I've kind of turned on this whole show. Um, I just thought the finale, you know, after building up a show that really set itself apart from everything else in the MCU, um, the finale was just so messy and MCU third act symptomatic. Um, you know, it was it, like the action was horrible. The magic was horrible. Uh, a lot of the resolution for the characters and the plot I thought was horrible. The writing was bad. It, it really fell apart, I thought, in the end. Um, and then people are like, yeah, but the rest of the show is good and fun to watch. And, I, you know, maybe I agree at the time it was fun to watch. But looking back on it, I'm like, I guess you guys never really had that much of a vision for this show. Oh, no pun intended. Um, but uh, I was really disappointed. You know, I saw an interview after the finale came out where the, one of the writers said, you know, the villain in WandaVision is grief. It's really grief. And I was like, that I don't buy that, man. After your CGI clusterfuck of a season finale, um, the bad guy is Agatha Harkness, and uh, Wanda beats Agatha Harkness with lasers and throwing giant balls at her. So, you know, whatever cred the show got with me about having an introspective story about grief, it really lost it for me. Um, and I guess in retrospect, like, it's just not... If if you know it's not going anywhere, it's really not a great rewatch. Um, I don't think Elizabeth Olsen is all that great in the sitcom settings. Uh, I really, really like Paul Bettany as an actor, and I think he plays Vision really well. I hope we see more um, from White Vision and stuff way down the line. Um, but uh, it was... it was um, It's more Wanda's show, I get that. And uh, at some points, I was like... I, I didn't really like... Wanda, <laughs> and I didn't like what uh, Photon says to her at the end. By the way, Photon, great character they established on her own. I forgot her name. Monica Rambeau. Um, but they didn't use her at all in the finale. She's kind of a waste. Um, but I didn't like when she was like, they'll never know what you sacrificed to Wanda at the end. And I was like, guys, hello? She enslaved an entire town? I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I guess they're setting up Wanda to be morally ambiguous in the future, so that's part of it. But, um, I was a little disappointed in me. Um, and uh, you know what was really good was the second to last episode because I don't think there was a TV show in that one. It was just a flashback, and I thought it was really emotional. And I liked that it kind of now set the stage for Wanda's actual magic and her origin as the Scarlet Witch. Um, that was all very interesting to me, and I thought the child actors were very good. And um, I don't know, I just remember liking that episode a lot. So that's my that's my compressed uh, opinion on WandaVision. I think I'm trying to go a little fast here. Um, okay, number five is Eternals. Um, this movie's kind of weird. I mean, it came out... The reviews um, were really were really weird when it came out. It was very divisive. Um, I, I mean, it's the worst reviewed MCU movie, I think, which is really surprising because I don't think it's the worst MCU movie. Uh, when I watched it, I was like, damn, there are some really good ideas in this movie. But it's bogged down by so much boring, like, dialogue and characters. Um... Everyone says this, so, I, you know, not all of my opinions are very novel, um, but you all know that. Um, Gemma Chan was just really not good, just so lifeless, and, you know, no, no, I can't really, like, attach myself to that character that much. Um, I mean, there's too many characters to go through every single one in the movie, but I guess I liked, you know, some of the ones they didn't focus on as much. I liked Thena and Druig. Um, I liked Fastos. And uh, Sprite and Makari. Yeah, I liked those guys. Oh, and I guess I liked Gilgamesh. So, uh, you know, I liked more of them, honestly, than I didn't. Um, but they didn't feel very focused on, if you know what I mean. Um, I really wanted more from Druig, actually. I thought his actor was great. Uh, and same with Makari, actually. Um, but uh, Richard Madden, God. See, this is where the movie, it's just so hard to talk about because... So the the first hour I think is very boring, um, and not good, and then uh, Arashem tells Cersei about like why the Eternals are even on their planets, and then the movie kind of picks up even though that scene was really kind of a lame way to do exposition in my opinion, um, but uh, the movie starts to pick up a little more and then there's a big twist I think and it's actually like a really really well done twist which is that Icarus. Um, is a bad guy. Uh, and, you know, maybe not even a bad guy, but he's going to be the antagonist for the third act of the movie. Um, and he's been so lifeless and statue, like like a statue the whole movie because the guy has literally traded emotion for duty. Um, and that was kind of cool. And me in the theater being like, oh, damn, that's why Richard Madden is being completely lifeless. Kind of cool. I mean, like, it, it sucks that Richard Madden couldn't show more emotion in the role because I think he's a great actor. Um, but uh, I kind of like what they did with that character. I liked him fighting all the Eternals, and I liked at the end that he killed himself because he basically, you know, traded his soul. He killed his mother, basically, um, for duty, and then, like, he didn't even fulfill his duty. Um... So that was very good and emotional to me, I thought. And I liked, some people had a problem with this, but I really liked the Sprite thing. Um, you know, how she was in love with him, but she was a child. Uh, 
I think some people were really uncomfortable with that, which I guess I understand, but like in the mythos of the movie, obviously she's not a child. She's as old as the rest of them. So, um, I like I feel like the movie could have been serviced more by the fact that these people are have literally been alive since the dawn of man. They didn't all act like that. They didn't really act like they had seen um, like so much shit, you know? Um, and I liked that Sprite was actually dealing with like this thing and like torture torment inside her about the fact that she can't be with Icarus Icarus because she's a child. Um, so like I think the movie could have benefited from more stuff like that. Um, the deviants, you know, not that interesting to me. The deviant monster thing that they wasted Bill Skarsgård on. I like, I guess, that they all have their own things to fight at the end. Um, because the ending, you know, the last act, it's very morally gray. Like, Icarus isn't... I mean, I guess he's a bad guy because he kills... What's her name? But he was conditioned from birth to do this. And he basically was told for so long that he couldn't... Um, you know, I think in the movie they explain that he broke up with Cersei because he couldn't, like, he couldn't be with her while also knowing that he needs to destroy Earth, basically. Um, and, uh, like, that was kind of interesting because then it's like, yeah, why would you, why would you trade that back after having spent, like, a thousand years without her, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I, um, I, yeah, I, I, I guess that's where I fall with the movie. I think some some ideas in it are really good, um, but there's some really poor execution. That being said, I, I like where it is in my list. Uh, I think it's pretty much in the middle this year. I do think it's better than all the stuff I just talked about. Um, I think I need to watch it again. The action was really good, so I'm, I would be looking forward to watching it again. Like, the effects and everything were awesome. But I remember being very bored in some parts, uh, which is weird for a Marvel movie. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, number four, Loki. Um, I really liked Loki. Actually, for a while, I was saying that it was probably the best thing Marvel did this year. Um, and, um, I, I mean, I guess there's not much to say about it in retrospect from what I can remember. I mean, there's always a lot of stuff to say about these things, but... Uh, how much do I want to talk about it? Um, let's see. The only episode of Loki I remember being really bad is, like, the middle one. The third one, I think it is. Um, it's just kind of, like, aimless, and they just run around this planet, and there isn't all that much, um, like, characterization even done. So I didn't like that one, and I was really disappointed because I was really enjoying the show so far. I loved all the sets. I liked Loki. I liked the story of Loki. Um... There were some really good, like, plots, plot things in it. I loved Mobius, and I liked, like, the twist that all the um, um, TVA people are... Are they called variants? Is that what they're called? Or, or No, wait. The people who are in the... The people who are captured by the TVA. I can't remember if they're called variants or something. I mean, I know variants are, like, the other variants of Loki... But I can't remember if he if, if you're in the TVA as a variant. I don't remember. Anyway, they're all basically prisoners from different times. Um, and uh, all the timekeepers and all that stuff was really mysterious. I liked all that a lot. Uh, the ending. Um, I guess I was like, 
kind of disappointed while watching it because, you know, I didn't like, I don't like this thing now that some of the movies and stories are doing where it feels like the ending is serviced by waiting for something else, especially claiming significance through a big Marvel character from the comics, but doesn't actually have all that much significance to the plot of the show we're watching, if you know what I mean. That being said, I didn't think it was not cool, like who He Who Remains, if that's his name, um, is and what his story is. Like that's pretty interesting and cool. Uh, obviously the setup is for Kang the Conqueror there, uh, which is why some people were really excited about it. Um, and it's a cool ending and like setup and just the story of like the other variants of him basically claiming for domination through time is cool. Um, I guess, well, I don't know. No, I, I think it's a good last episode. I mean, I, I was like, oh damn, you know, like, all right, we're going to get this guy to, to like act his, his little butt off for us. And then we'll see him later down the line. <laughs> And that was the significance of his character. But I guess Loki and Sylvie had their own things to resolve. Sylvie had... She wanted to resolve revenge, and Loki finally kind of realized that he needs to respect, like, the bureaucracy and, like, time and power and all this stuff. Um, so, uh... I, I, I guess it's good. I'm still thinking about the show now. Yeah, damn, the show's good. I'm thinking about all the stuff in it. The episode with the Loki variants is great. Mobius is so good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to season two. It's probably the best... Oh, no, it's not. I had something else about it. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I had to actually... I left for a bit, like a day, and I'm coming back to finish this recording. Um, actually, I had to go somewhere, I, um, like during the recording, but I went to see Spider-Man again. So I guess I can critique that better with some more clarity by now. Um, sorry, I'm moving stuff around here. Okay. Um, all right, where was I? So I had just finished talking about Loki. I was going to say it's probably the best Marvel TV show, but that's not true because I have something else above it. Um, but I'm going to move on. So my number three is uh, Shang-Chi. Um, really liked Shang-Chi. I thought it was, you know, I, I, I was really excited to see some new characters in the MCU, and I think it's a great first movie, um, and uh, I, I hope that they take Shang-Chi, like, far, you know, into the future. He's really cool, and I can't wait to see him uh, with the other Avengers. Um, the movie itself, I, I think the story's pretty good, and I think there's a lot of really good acting in it, actually. There's, like, two things that I remember about the movie that really bother me, and it's just, like, the two things I bring up every time I talk about the movie, because I think the movie could have been made so much better just by removing these two things. One is Aquafina. Um I'm a little I'm a little sick of Aquafina. I don't think Aquafina is that funny and I think she kind of like not ruins but like just I don't know, just takes away from a lot of this movie. Um she I like I just thought the whole normal person amidst all this magic shit got like kind of old pretty quickly. Um and like I don't really like her punchlines are all kind of the same to me. Um, and, uh, the other thing was Shang-Chi's dad, uh, the Mandarin, I guess we can call him cause he actually is, even though in the movie they kind of make fun of that name. Wen Wu is what his real name, but, uh, he is so good. I mean, he's a great villain, 
lot of emotion behind his story. The scene where he goes to the restaurant and kills the, like those gang members uh, while Shang-Chi watches is very good um, and dark. And like, you kind of feel for the guy, even though he has been a terrorist for like a thousand years. Um, but like, it's heartening to see him with his family and it makes you feel for him. Um, so when the movie decided that they wanted to kill him in favor of this giant CGI dragon monster, um, I saw a review say the soul was literally sucked out of the movie when that happened. Like, he literally had his soul sucked from him. And it was like the soul of the movie was drained in that moment. I mean, it's not a big deal, but like, I, I think that the final act would have been better served if it was just... Shang-Chi versus the Mandarin. Uh, it would have been more emotional. And, you know, I thought it really didn't need to have the Dweller in Darkness as this other uh, otherworldly creature that um, they have to fight. Because I actually, like, I was not paying attention after <laughs> his dad died. He was my favorite part of the movie. And um, I was really hoping the souls would get, like, restored into the people at the end when the Dweller in Darkness dies, but it didn't really happen. Um, and... It just, you know, it then, like, it, it turned the final fight into this long CGI mess. And it wasn't very fun to watch, in my opinion. Like, nowhere near as fun as the rest of the kung fu in the film. And I was disappointed that they, like, kind of went the whole Marvel route of big CGI clusterfuck. Um, instead of the really new and creative and great action that they had established in the movie. So, I don't know, the movie lost some points with me for that. Um, but... Like, I, you know, that's actually pretty much it. The music is great. The rest of the cast is pretty good. I think I like Simu Liu as Shang-Chi. Um, I felt like he was kind of missing something first time watching it. Like, he may not be that funny in himself, so they'll have to work on that. But, um, you know, I, th I have high hopes. It's his first movie, and it was uh, a great intro. Uh, ben Kingsley is really funny. Um, I thought he was great, and I'm glad they had him back. Can't think of anyone else. Oh, his sister is pretty cool, too. Um, I liked her. I wish she had more time in the movie, actually. Um, I wish that they like, kind of got rid of Aquafina or something, and, and she was in the movie more. Um, and his sister, I mean. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I could think of. Okay. Um, God, we're just flying through this list. I'm pretty much going through these fast uh, to save... So I can talk a lot about the last one. Number two is um, Hawkeye. Um, it's really weird that Hawkeye is like my second favorite thing this year. Because it's not like really all that groundbreaking or anything. But it was just like really solid from start to finish in my opinion. Just very fun to watch. Um, and... It, like, you know, I, going into it, I kind of had low expectations because of the rest of the Disney Plus shows. Not that they're all bad. I kind of, you know, they're they're nuanced. I'd say some of the episodes, because for some reason the Disney Plus shows, and not just this, but Star Wars too, it feels like they give a lot, of, they spread out a lot of the creative freedom. So there isn't like, I mean, there maybe is, but it just feels like every episode is, is, is not very unified. Like, um... 
they're all they all feel kind of like they were directed by different people and in some cases that's true i think for the most part like one team of writers like two or three wrote the whole thing but some of the episodes i told you the middle episode of loki i thought was very different from the rest of the show and it brought it down um wandavision's final episode but also its second to last episodes are very different very different quality and obviously the rest of the show um and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, had episodes of a lot of exposition and plot and characters. And then other episodes just were all action, which maybe isn't like a creative difference. It's just how they pace the show. But it really gives way for some quality drops around the show. And I was waiting for that with Hawkeye, and it really never came. Um, I would say the finale landed on its feet, kind of wobbling, but it landed on its feet. Um which is something that I probably couldn't say. No, I can say that for at least Loki. Um, but uh, yeah, Hawkeye is is great actually. I you know, it's really um, I, I like the Christmas <laughs> theme of it. Like that's kind of new, and it made the show feel fun. And it also like a lot of people are saying it feels like a Disney Channel original movie. Um, and it I get that, but it wasn't bad because it was all like family oriented and Christmas themed. So it felt like it fit the show. Haley Steinfeld, so awesome. Uh, I love Kate Bishop. I love that introduction. Um, and I would say, you know, I like. I, I um, it was a better introduction than Florence Pugh to the you know um, to the MCU. I'm just trying to think of that as the direct comparison of a big intro to like a new character, supporting character kind of. And I guess people who are supposed to take up the mantles of old heroes. Uh, you know, Florence Pugh will probably be Black Widow or whatever, and Kate is going to be Hawkeye. Because, um, uh, uh, like, Kate and him had great chemistry. It was a great, like, buddy comedy, I thought. It was actually funny. Jeremy Renner made me laugh a lot um, watching it. And um, plot was nuanced and good. You know, the watch, uh, the Ronin suit, Jack and her mom were all very, like, there was a lot of little weird details that at first watching the show is kind of like what is happening like why do i care about this this guy's murder um it, while it was really obvious that eleanor bishop was a bad guy um it you know the show didn't do this big you know twist because i kind of feel like they knew we knew um and then you know kind of like how they knew we knew kingpin was in the show um I'll get there, but I'm trying to think of anything else in the show. Yeah, every episode, like, balance character building with, like, um, action really well. Like, not all the episodes had action, but when there were episodes that focused on action, action, episode three comes to mind. Like, them getting away from the tracksuit mafia with the Pym arrow and Hawkeye, like, fighting uh, Maya a little bit. That was all really well shot and really well, like, done, I thought. Um and, uh, uh, you know, that quality of action, I think, never dropped. Um, the final fight between Hawkeye and uh, Yelena is, is, was well done, I thought, on the ice, the two of them fighting, too. So the final episode was a lot of action, but it was, it was good. Um, I guess, you know, Maya, I thought, had a very strong introduction. And I think the show kind of... Didn't really know what to do with her as they went on, except for this revenge story, which, you know, defines the character, so it's fine. But um, she felt a little one-dimensional to me. I guess that's why she's getting her own show, um, presumably where Kingpin will come back, too. 
Um, I'm trying to think about who else I can talk about before I talk about Kingpin. Um, yeah, no, I liked I liked the LARPers. I liked the way it all came together in the end. Um, Kate never n- never dropped out of my favor. Basically, uh, love Jack. I love that he was just a guy who likes swords. Um, I also love him from Better Call Saul, Lalo. So. I hope, I, I mean, it's not going to happen probably, but I hope we see him again. Um, okay, and uh, so the big thing about this show that I actually knew going into it, there was a rumor like a year ago that I saw that um, Kingpin was going to be in Hawkeye. Um, and I, I do think, you know, it, it's a big deal because Marvel's getting really crazy now. Um, I mean, in terms of the things that, like, it's weird. Like, Endgame was unbelievable, but in terms of things that we didn't think they'd do, I don't know. Like, Endgame, I did, some of the things in it were unbelievable, and I didn't think they'd do it. And since then, they've kind of gotten crazier. Like, adapting the Netflix characters into the greater movies is just not really something I like. I thought would actually happen for a while until I saw how serious the movement to have Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox come back um but yeah it's happened now um you know it was really cool to see him again but it wasn't good (laughs) um it uh well let's start i mean you know my adrenaline was pumping when we saw that picture of him on the phone but then the episode ended and i was like wait that was shitty like that was a shitty way to to show Kingpin for the first time. It's just not very cool. <laughs> like a, te- a, a fucking, you know, like a, what do you, um, what what resolution would that be? Um, I don't know, but it's like SD, you know, it, it's not good quality on a, on a cell phone. Like, are you kidding me? That's how we see him for the first time. And then, you know, I was like, all right, that's cool. At least he'll be cool in the next episode. And he kind of isn't. <laughs> In the finale, he's, uh, you know, I I guess they're rebooting the character, kind of. I I was talking to some people about this, about whether he's even the same guy from Daredevil. Vincent D'Onofrio has said that it is, apparently, in a very mealy-mouthed kind of, like, statement. He was like, yes, it's the same guy from Daredevil. He was blipped, and then he wants, like, his city back. He wants his power back. Um, So I think what they're going for, which is not really well explicitly said in the finale is that kingpin is at a low and so like he only really controls the tracksuits right now and he's like working in this shitty like hawaiian office in this building um so that would explain it because i was talking with some people about like the way daredevil ends and everything kingpin the the thing that's cool about kingpin is that he rules through legitimacy um you know he he messes with the justice system and with the police and um you know he just by paying by having people in his pocket and that's like the antithesis to daredevil who needs to fight outside the system um but uh it's not very interesting if he's not really a prominent figure in high society like the point is that kingpin is two-faced he's a philanthropist who hangs out with a lot of rich people who think he's all a do-gooder. Um, and he runs a, the biggest criminal enterprise in the world secretly. So 
after if, if this is the same character from Daredevil, is that even really possible? Because the guy went to federal prison twice. I mean, he got out one time. He 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 went to federal prison the first time, and then Dare and then he broke out. Daredevil puts him back there in the finale of season one. Then he's in prison. Then he gets out on a technicality. I kind of forgot how he gets out exactly, but like a legal technicality. Then his criminal operations exposed again, and he goes back into prison. <laughs> um, so I'm like, how could this guy ever be a legitimate figure in public life now? Um, so that kind of bothers me if it is the same character, actually. I, I mean, they could just ignore that. I, Vincent D'Onofrio could be talking kind of out of his ass. It kind of sounds like he was, so they don't have to take it that seriously. Um, other things about Kingpin, obviously, that are different. I think they gave him a bigger suit. I think they actually put something in his jacket to make him look huge, bigger. That was cool. I liked that. And, um, you know, I like that he has basically super strength now. He's like himself in the comics. They're going to have to figure out a way, I guess, maybe to explain that. They might not have to. Um, I'm not saying, like, how they'll explain that he's so much stronger than he is in Daredevil, but how you'll explain how a guy with no powers can rip a car door off the car. Um, because, like, we're no strangers in the movies to people who have no powers and are limited by that. Um, so he's not really limited by that, it seems like, because... <laughs> He can. He has basically super strength. He can tank explosions and a hit from a car and an arrow, and apparently a gun to the face, which is the next part of what I'm going to say, which is that if you're going to introduce this character, like make him a fucking threat. He should be scary. He was not scary. He had his ass handed to him three times. When Eleanor Bishop stood up to him at the end, and then she left, I was thinking, oh my god, she's so dead. Like, he'll literally just kill her right there. Um, and then he let her walk out, and then he got, like, emotional about it, which was, you know, kind of kingpin-ish. Like, he's kind of an, a baby in his, in his, in his heart. Um, but then, like, he doesn't succeed in killing her, which would have been a great origin for Kate, even though I know it's hard to send your mom to jail, but it would have been harder for her mom to be a bad guy, but not also kind of not a bad guy, and then to die. Um... And then, and then Kate basically fights him and, like, wins. Um, and, uh, which I guess helps establish Kate as a big-time hero, actually. Um, and then at the end, Maya shoots him in the face. Presumably because Kingpin goes blind in the comics after Maya shoots him. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just like, this is, why was this guy in the episode? He's just, he gets his ass handed to him the whole episode. He's a big fluffy guy who doesn't really amount to much. Um, I guess it's long-term setup, but I was disappointed that this was how they were going to handle him in their first view. And many people's first viewing of him, he just doesn't seem at all like a threat. Um, again, I know maybe they're going for Kingpin is gonna is trying to get his en empire back, but um, sh sh right now, like there wasn't even really context given as to why Hawkeye thinks he's a threat. He's um, he's just another mob boss. Why is he the big guy? Um, so that really bothered me. I mean, you're not going to spend the whole time talking about Kingpin, but it was a long episode. Um, maybe maybe a little too long. And I feel like they could have spent some more time talking about him.
Okay. Um, I think that's it for Hawkeye. All right. I guess I'll move on to the uh, the big the the chungus of a movie at the end of all this. The one that capped off our whole year. And the one that most of you probably knew would be at the top of this list. <sighs> okay. Number one. Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. I saw this movie again for the second time last night. It is a really hard movie for me to criticize. Um, and I don't mean like it's a hard movie for me to find what's wrong with it. It's just a hard movie for me to judge objectively, which I think many people can understand. Um, uh, watching it for the second time, I found myself just as confused about my feelings on the movie as I was the first time. I, I'm trying to, you know, where's the best place to start here? I think I'm going to start with my big overview. Um, I think it's definitely a good movie, even a great movie, maybe. Um, and, um... It deserves a lot of the praise for, like, the actual acting and emotion and action, you know, superhero stuff in it that it's getting. Um, it deserves all that praise. Um, there are some people saying it's it's one of the best Marvel movies. Some people saying it's the best Spider-Man movie. Uh, I am not there yet. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not even entirely sure this movie, objectively, is, like, better than Far From Home or Homecoming. Um... Far From Home has been my favorite for a while, my favorite Spider-Man for a while. I think it's in my top five Marvel movies, MCU movies at least. Um, I still like Spider-Man 2 more than Far From Home, and I think I like Spider-Verse more than Far From Home. Um, so, uh, I, I think, um, this will go into my overview about the movie, but my, my, my thinking about it now is I am so programmed to resist fan service and nostalgia bait because I know how shallow and hollow that is. Like, how how much that's not actually... That becomes very forgettable. Like, it's not a very good way to keep a movie with you, if you know what I mean. Um, the way to keep a movie with you, to make a movie memorable in your mind, is to make you... is to really attach serious emotion to it and to make it a great story where you want to be you know, you want to be thinking about those characters. Um, for example, uh, Mando season two finale. Honestly, like, can we say that's an amazing finale? It, it's, it's, it's good because there's a lot of other stuff in it, but the Luke Skywalker part of it is not even, it's just, it's so blatantly an attempt to appeal to people following Last Jedi that it bothers me. I mean, that's a whole different story, but... Like, that moment isn't as good to me as, like, Kylo and Rey fighting the Praetorian Guard together. Or, um, you know, even Mando's season one finale. Uh, like, like Moff Gideon versus Mando, two new characters with the Darksaber and the spear. Like, I think of that more than Luke. Um, we can talk about that later. But, but fan service in my experience, doesn't always, doesn't always do it for me. Um, and also there's good service, there's good fan service and bad fan service. For instance, Endgame has a lot of really well done fan service. Uh, I'd say cap lifting Mjolnir, I still lose my shit at that every time I see it. That's a moment that sticks with you. Um, you know, in terms of first time viewings, 
sticking with you, yes, fan service can do that. But whether it actually penetrates you sometimes in a way that the emotion of a good story can, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it holds up. So, on to this movie, No Way Home. Um, this movie has a lot of fan service, uh, which is why I have a hard time judging it objectively. Um, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. Obviously, the, 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 the points, like the way they marketed the movie, this is a multiversal bash. Uh, all the foes, a lot of foes from Spider-Man past. Um, basically, the past for the viewer, not the past for Tom Holland. There are other universes for Tom Holland, but for us, it's a walk down memory lane because we've seen the other Spider-Men's villains before. Um, and uh, that part of the movie is really well handled, I think. The villains and 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 the other Spider-Men, you know, I, they're really well handled, I think. Uh, they make the villains who are characters, characters, and the villains who aren't, are not. And they're jokes, basically. Sandman kind of falls in between joke and not in there so he's kind of weird but i understand you have five villains you can't spend that much time on everyone uh uh but i i like them i like them all um a lot except i mean people are like lizard and sandman sucked and i'm like yeah but the movie didn't take them seriously so like i can't i'm not gonna judge them on the same level as doc ock and green goblin um it's hard to go through every villain here and judge them but I guess I'll just say the three main ones that the movie marketed the most. Uh, Doc Ock, think he's handled fucking beautifully. Uh, I love that he gets his big one-on-one fight with Spider-Man. Uh, and then he's kind of restrained for the rest of the movie, which at first I was like, that kind of sucks. But it's because the guy is not a villain at heart, you know? So they're going to respect like the, the, the arc he has in his own movie, um, where he basically fights Electro for them. At the end, um, um, a Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe killed it, absolutely killed it. His facial expressions, everything, new costume, awesome. Love him fighting Tom Holland. Uh, I have more to say about that later, but um, I, I loved him. Electro also. Uh, I heard some people complaining about Electro in this movie, thinking he was kind of stupid. Is his motivation stupid? Yeah, but that's also because he comes from, like, a stupid movie. Um, you know, there's not that much, like, depth to the character. He just kind of wants to be seen. He wants power. He likes that energy. You know, he says that a million times in the movie. Um, so there's not much more to the character other than, like, the fact that he likes being electric. <laughs> um, that being said, he's funny as hell. And uh, he's cool. I think he looked cool in the movie. And I liked him zipping around, fighting them. I liked how powerful he was. So I have no problem with Electro in the movie. Um, uh, let's see. Characters. This is where I start to, I think, diverge a little bit, in my opinion, of the movie from the popular consensus. Um, this is why I have trouble rating the movie objectively, because, like... Narratively, looking at the whole story, I'm not sure like the character growth or story is as good as even Far From Home or Homecoming. I just am not sure, like objectively, narratively, it holds up compared to them. Um, is the, the, you know, 
people finding out he's Spider-Man and how that affects Ned and MJ, that's a great conflict. And him basically going to Strange because he feels bad for them is good. And um, maybe irresponsible, which is also part of Spider-Man. And then getting the villains, making up for his mistake is good. Realizing that if he sends them back after basically bringing them there, he'll they'll he'll basically be killing them um, is a good moral conflict, I think. And so he basically takes it upon himself to make them better. But this is where the movie kind of doesn't make sense to me. Like, he keeps saying that May... There's a part in the movie before they go crazy where he says, um, they're not my responsibility. Oh, no, he says to her about Norman. He says, he's not my responsibility. And I'm like, what do you mean he's not your responsibility? You were, you're were you putting all the villains in the dungeon for a reason. Like, I thought because they are your responsibility. I thought you'd realize that already. Um, so I didn't get that, really. I, I think... and um, uh, I was going to move on to the second part here, maybe. No, I'll just say it now. The, the movie's whole like re re redoing of with great power comes great responsibility really falls flat for me. Uh, I think the scene where Aunt May says it to him is really not earned partially because it was kind of bending over backwards to make it make sense in the movie. I don't really think what she said was what someone would actually say in that situation. Um, it's kind of what I like about Tasm. Um, you know, I mean, Tasm says it effectively, kind of in a weird way, but because they don't say the line, it doesn't feel like a movie writer, an actor reading off a script. Um, I have no problem with like Aunt May being the Uncle Ben for Peter, but maybe I have a problem with this Aunt May being Peter's Uncle Ben because like she hasn't really been in the movies that much. She's not a very big, I think, pep like talker i just like in the tasm and original movies aunt may is like way more emotional and supportive and she gives peter some really important speeches that this aunt may never really does if i remember right maybe in homecoming she has a speech but i i can't really remember it far from home she's practically not in the movie um so that felt kind of weird to me especially because she's not even really in this movie. She has that one scene that she, where she tells Peter about Norman and how he has to help him. I don't know. It, it was weird. I That scene, I remember first time watching the movie, straight cringe. I kind of cringed. I mean, it's just not well written, I think. Not even really sure why she says it to him in the moment. Um, I think it's... Yeah, well, the villains escape, and then Peter says, I have to, I have to, um, I'm just going to send them back or something. I forgot. Does he already have the box at that point? I don't know. I forgot what he says. But but she says, you have a gift, and with great power comes great responsibility. And then I'm like, right, but, um, like, why are you saying that now? Like, what do his spider powers have to do with this? Is it the power he holds over them? to put them back where they belong and to die. Um, Because if so, that doesn't really make sense because uh, that's not really a gift. Like, I I don't get it. I don't really get it. It's a weird scene. And um, 
I also don't know. I was trying to map this in my head. So Aunt May is his Uncle Ben, which means that presumably he's learning the same thing he did. The same thing the other Peters learned from their respective Uncle Ben's slash Gwen Stacy's, um, which is that he was being irresponsible and he let them kill her. Effectively, it was his fault that she died because he didn't put them back where she belonged. Um, but uh, the goal is that he should be helping them anyway. So, okay, okay, so I've done that math. Yeah, okay, now I remember. So I liked that, actually. I like, you know, that's kind of a new spin on Spider-Man. Basically, you help people. You try as hard as you can to make people better um, and to help them, despite, you know, sometimes getting burned. You know, no good deed goes unpunished, as Norman says. Like, that's kind of, it's personified by Toby stopping Tom from stabbing Goblin with the glider, uh, and then Goblin stabs Toby. I think that's kind of like, you know, that's that's Spider-Man right there. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, I like that message a lot. I think it's a unique new message for Spider-Man. Um, he gets punished for doing the right thing, and uh, he's got to do the right thing, though, you know. He's, it's his responsibility. Um, and uh, that's very Spider-Man to me. I like that. Um, trying to think what else about the... Yeah, and, and like, in the sense of giving also villains a second chance, it's kind of an interesting, like, commentary on villains and everything. I, I could see... You know, I think John Watts makes these movies... I think there's a lot of there's a political undertone to some of the movies. Um, obviously, Mysterio and fake news is far from home's kind of big thing, um, and like you know when the world is without hope, basically like people are more prone to fakeness and like fake idols. Um, and in this movie, you know, the Mysterio people being like conspiracy theorists and stuff, I could see the comparison to real world conspiracy theorists. Um, and like all the again like Alex Jones peddling type fake news stuff for Peter and Spider Man. Um, the other place I saw it was with the depiction of like mental health and mental illness and the way we we should be giving people like that uh, second chances. I really saw it with Norman in the feast place with Aunt May. Uh, again, really well acted on his part. Really real. Um, so I have to give him props. I think it's kind of beautiful. Um, even though if you're going to go along that line, maybe some people, probably I wouldn't because I'm not as sensitive to this kind of stuff, but some people would say like then to depict like mentally ill people as a green goblin man flying around on a glider who stabs people and blows up shit. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people would find that kind of inappropriate. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes shit like that happens. I mean, there aren't literally flying gliders around in the world, but bad things happen, and sometimes we catch the bad people, and it turns out they are mentally ill, um, and they didn't get help soon enough. Um, so, kind of interesting. Okay. Um, and uh, I guess I'll move on to Toby and Ned. Uh, Toby, I was going to say Toby and Ned. Toby and Andrew. Um, I'll give my big conclusion about the movie at the end, because I was going to mention something else, but... Um, really, I, I really like, I mean, I, I think most people who are listening to this know this, but Toby Maguire is my childhood hero. He's the biggest figure of heroism and, you know, 
movies from my childhood. Um, and uh, it was just so amazing to see him on screen again as Spider-Man. Um, I think he's handled really well. I love, I, I think Toby actually, a lot of people are saying Andrew is amazing and he is. He's a really, really great actor. Toby is a good actor. Um, and I like, I, I haven't seen a lot of Toby Maguire movies actually. Um, but I do know and I do think and I stand by it that he is excellent at playing Peter Parker. Um, and I think he, he, he played this character in this movie like he'd been playing it for the last 14 years, which he had not. He hadn't played Peter Parker in 14 years. But he slipped back into it like like it was an old shoe. Um, an old suit, I guess. I don't know what the expression is. Um, and he was just so dorky and, like, you know, supportive. And he was the mentor figure. Loved it. I mean, it, it was really good. And he acted just like himself from his old movies. Despite, you know, having aged, you know, visibly. Um, I was talking with some people about why they felt the need to not have him in the suit in the sh in the scene with Andrew and him for a while. And I think it's because, again, the movies, there's like a duality um, of the movie, which of a lot of, this is the theme of a lot of Spider-Man movies. Um, the duality of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, and he was basically meant to represent Peter Parker, who has a home life and a wife. Well, yeah, Kirsten, um, MJ, does he marry her? No, I'm not sure he marries her in the end of Spider-Man 3. But he just says it works out. We worked it out. And Andrew says, I don't have time for Spider for Peter Parker stuff. I'm too busy being Spider-Man. Plus, you know, he has this whole Gwen Stacy thing. He says he got really rageful, stopped pulling his punches. Um, basically, he was swallowed by Spider-Man. Um, so they're supposed to represent, I'd say, the two sides of Peter. Um, and I guess uh, I'll just nitpick a few things now from their scenes um, I was going to say I really like and I stand by this that they made them their own characters and they kind of finished at least Andrew has an arc that you feel like if you watch Tasm 2 into this movie you know it's completed he gets support from someone who knows what he's going through and um, he realizes or at least he's told that he's amazing <laughs> and he gets to hear it uh, and obviously he gets to save another soul and to save Peter's love, Tom Holland's love, um, when he can't save his own, which is what being Spider-Man's about. Um, I see some people talking about Toby and what exactly he, what exactly is finished for him. I think it's just like that character, especially Toby's, um, it's not as personal for Andrew Garfield, let's say, which is why his, his, um, his um his stuff with the villains doesn't work as well as Toby's because I'd say Toby's Spider-Man is supposed to carry around a lot more pain than the other two. He's obviously older, so he's like been through more stuff. But he um he uh you know Norman Osborn's death is something he could have he tried to prevent. Um Otto Octavius, a you know, a mentor to him. Uh, died, uh, basically from his own thing, and I bet Toby. I bet you know. There's that line where P Toby's Peter says, um, uh, "I've been thinking of an anti serum for Doctor Osborne for a while," and it's like sad because it's like God, this guy, like ruined his best friend's life, and um, and it's just sad. He carries around, he he thinks about this all the time, and it's nice. 
I'd say like the completion of Toby's arc that some people say was missing is stopping the glider from stabbing Green Goblin, which is obviously symbolic that he let the glider stab him before and now he's stopping it from stabbing him again. Um, while in the process stopping Tom Holland's Peter from giving in to rage and vengeance. Um, and uh, uh, also he gets that scene with Dr. Octopus and he says, you know, they get to, you know, re reconnect with each other, which is nice. If you think about it, Toby, that Toby has already been through all three Spider-Man movies, maybe had a few more stories we haven't seen off screen. And he gets to see this ghost of someone that he wish he could save and he gets to see them again and see them be happy and has one last conversation with them before they both go back to their respective timelines um i think that's beautiful and uh kind of like like it makes me feel like toby <laughs> wherever toby's peter is he's in a better place now um uh which is why for a second when i thought they were gonna kill him i was like i was like upset i was really angry for a second you can't just bring this guy into the movie and then kill him. Like, that's not... That's just fake drama. That's not, like, finishing a storyline or anything. Um, maybe it's, you know, Spider-Man, even if he does the right thing, he may, he'll suffer for it, and eventually he fucking dies. But that would be so grim. And the movie's already really emotional and kind of dark in some ways. So, um, uh, yeah, I liked all that and how that was handled. Um, so, big picture, Toby and Andrew done really well. I'd say some of the fan service for Toby and Andrew goes a little too far. Um, I just think they could have held back some of the conversations they had. I, I guess that, I mean, truthfully, I love it. I get to see the three of them talking. I would, I could watch them fucking talk all day. They also have like really good chemistry, <laughs> the three of them, which is weird because they're all dip, like from different franchises and it's just like, they, they, I think they mesh together really well. They all seem like they're the same person in a way. I mean, but different in their own ways, but the same person, you know? Um, and uh, uh, so it's nice to see them all talking, but I don't know. Some scenes I was like, this feels really, really fan fiction-y. Like um, the web fluid needing to be talked about twice seems again, like over overdoing it to me. Um, I mentioned this earlier about Peter saying the life between him and MJ is complicated, but they made it work. Uh, I wish that, like, we got a more, like, definite, and, like, like what does that mean for Peter? At the end of Spider-Man 3, it's complicated, but we don't know if they make it work. And I guess, like, maybe they do because they dance and, like, hug together and they basically are together for each other after they both lose a dear friend of theirs. Um, but I was like, damn, you guys really couldn't like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I actually really expected and part of me expected like um, in my head canon for what the movie would look like when Toby returns, when Toby comes back is they rip him out of his universe, not their own, even though he was already ripped into theirs. Um, and when they open the portal, you see MJ waiting for him and um uh she has a kid and i was like kind of like looking forward to see like you know more of just like that toby is happy i don't know um and instead he says you know it's complicated but we made it work and i'm like well that's not very a convincing or b like informative 
I guess you don't have to spend a long time on it, but I wish, you know, he could have just said, like, we have a kid. Just say something like that. I don't know. Um, uh, also, like, um, it would have been fun, I guess. I, I guess I know why they didn't do this, but I wanted Toby to be like, I fought a guy in a lion suit talking about Craven, And we're like, oh, damn. Like, I, I would kill to see Toby's fighting Craven and, like, to know that he had been through more after um, his own movies. So when he mentioned the one villain who wasn't in this movie, it was just kind of strange. Like, I don't know. He had, like, he, he was also fighting Sandman at the same time. So it's like he didn't mention, like, it, it, the way the character said it, it made it sound like he did that, like, in his many ventures, but it's actually just one of the stories that's already here. So why didn't he mention that Venom wasn't... I don't know. It's weird. I thought that was weird. I, I, I wish that they... Both him and Andrew said villains that we saw off screen. I mean, the rhinoceros machine line is funny. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, again, that's a nitpick. Um, watching it again, I really like how they handled Toby. Uh, but, um, let me think what else. Yeah, so these guys, those guys out of the way, they get their endings, whatever. I, I'll, I'll um, you know, the reason that fan service works well is because they're characters in themselves. So that's um, nice. Uh, but I don't know. Like, something is stopping me from... Is this really the best ending that this Peter Parker in the MCU could have? Um, by ending, I don't mean the end of the movie. I think the end of the movie is amazing. I think it's pure Spider-Man. He's alone. He's back to his roots. It's again, it's the completion of the origin story that we've been witnessing for six movies. You know, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, the three Spider-Man movies. Um, so when that moment happened, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, this is, you know, he's Spider-Man. And um, that was cool. Uh, but it doesn't really feel like a sequel to Far From Home. <sighs> Mostly because, like, there isn't a lot of it's Spider-Man Endgame for all the other Spider-Man movies, kind of. Um, I was talking to someone, but there should have been one villain. Like, Vulture should have been in the Sinister Six. I, I I, think that would have been a nice little cherry on top of, like, yeah, this Tom Holland, this guy's been through some shit, too. Um, and, uh, um, I, 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 uh, I really think they should have done that, just to celebrate Tom Holland's Peter a little more. Because he's great. He's awesome. He's amazing. Um, um, and, uh, uh, you know, because of all the messiness of the responsibility stuff, I, like I was saying earlier, I, I, I struggle with putting this movie... It's really hard to grade in comparison to Far From Home and Homecoming, but, like, maybe they're just better stories and better character-driven stuff. Um... Also, like, you know, I really kind of miss, like, I loved the supporting cast of Far From Home and Homecoming. I loved all the kids. Um, that felt very real to me. And I, I like MJ and Ned a lot, but I guess they feel a little sidelined in the movie. I, I Like, I, MJ, I mean, maybe not sidelined, actually. I was, in, I, I was impressed that they were in the movie as much as they were for having so much focus on these other characters. But, um... I kind of, like, struggle with saying that MJ is even good in these movies because 
She doesn't have much of a character despite being quirky and um uh <laughs> and loving Peter. You know, and like that's kind of falling into the superhero love interest trap a little bit, which I would say like Gwen Stacy and MJ from Toby's movies don't really have because MJ and Toby's movies like is a pretty like their character's a lot of depth. Like she you know, in Spider-Man 1 they kind of establish she has like kind of a um probably like some internal problems about like her her self-esteem and like her worth because of her abusive father um and you know, rough household. So she goes looking for validation from all kinds of like toxic men um, until Peter is always there for her. And it's kind of like a beautiful way to depict like her love for him. And then in Spider-Man 2, like she is defined again by her love for him. But the movie goes a step further than that at the end by giving her agency of her walking away from her wedding and saying like we can't be half of who we are, which is... Basically, what, Sp- what Peter and Spider-Man are going through the whole movie is that he's trying to be half of who he is. Um, or, and, uh, and no one can live like that. And it was cool in the end, like, MJ also gets that. Like, she, she gets basically, she goes, she's going through the same thing that the hero is. Um, and then Spider-Man 3, I mean, the movie's not very good, but she gets kind of, like, um, sidelined a bit. But... I guess the point, the ending of Spider-Man 2, which I like so much, is like she makes the decision to be with Peter because she loves him, even if it's to her detriment. And then at the end, she watches him swing away. And she kind of looks like, yeah, like this life is not going to be easy. And maybe Spider-Man 3 is a continuation of that. Whether it's like a development of that or it progresses, I don't know. The whole movie, she just seems kind of miserable. <laughs> um, which sucks, but... Uh, I don't know. There's more depth to her than I'd say there is with Zendaya's MJ. She doesn't really have much agency of her own. The only scene I liked where I was like, damn, that's cool. Like, I, I was just like, damn, like, it's when she is like, I'm going to push the box. And she doesn't do it. But, I mean, obviously she's not going to do it. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I, everyone loves Zendaya and Tom Holland together. And they do look so good together. And they have such good chemistry. But if the movie had focused more on Spider-Man's own things, Spider-Man's own, sorry, I'm sorry, the MCU Spider-Man's own stories and threads that have been from the last two movies, I think we could have gotten a more fulfilling ending for those other two characters. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll move on to the ending now, and the ending of this episode and ending of the movie. Again, but uh, yeah, fulfilling ending. Who knows? Where is it going next? What is going on? I, I'm t- seeing some people online. This is like, is this the end of Spider-Man and the MCU as we know it? It's a pretty good way to reboot the character. No one knows who he is anymore. You know, he can start appearing in Morbius and Venom 3 and stuff. How they make that work because they're in different universes, I don't know. But I also kind of feel like Sony doesn't give a shit and they might just, they could just put Morbius and Venom in the MCU um, and uh, Marvel was willing to do that for the deal of getting No Way Home but I don't know I mean people are talking like you know a- Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige have said publicly you know Spider-Man 4 is happening and the way they're saying it it sounds like it's going to happen it's going to look like you know Homecoming any other Marvel MCU movie 
I don't know if there's going to be more nuance to it than that. This movie really feels like the end of something. And, uh, you know, for it to just pick up with his new life and maybe to give him new characters and stuff, I don't know. It's strange. I mean, he's an adult, so maybe they're really trying to reboot him for adulthood, but I, I just it feels a little easy to me to just pick up where he left off. I feel like we're going to have to... We're gonna have to go through some more shit uh, as an audience and as consumers of like enduring some Sony stuff before we get that. Um, I don't know how many more movies I think. I think he's an Avengers movie, like in his contract or something. But yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, I should probably. This is already really long. I spent thirty minutes talking about Spider Man. So, um, so. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I missed. It would be weird to just talk about one thing from the movie at this point, but um, I, I, I'll leave it with this. It is definitely the best thing this year, like in terms of a story. Um, I'm still working on where it is in my list as for like the best stories. It, it might, I might still be not getting over just the shock of seeing, you know, even Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe as their characters. Um uh, <laughs> that's just so cool. And the fact that the movie did that, you know, the fact that the movie could make that happen, it deserves some praise. It not beyond like, you know, a shallow fan nostalgia baiting. It's, it's an, it's an achievement and it made it work. So, you know, not always easy to do that and succeed. It could have sucked and it didn't. So I, you know, you have to work that in with that. Um, and, uh, overall this year with Marvel, I've been telling a lot of people, um, I'd say Marvel has equaled out this year to be slightly better than average, I'd say. Actually, maybe maybe just average. I'm looking at this list again. The problem is like five of these. There's, there's nine things here, and I'd say five of these cross over into not great territory. By not great, I don't mean bad, but just not great. That's <laughs> hard to describe. Not good. Um... So if five out of nine are not good, and then like the other nine, and then the other four are like good, and then one is great, does it really equal, it's, it's you know, average, a little better than average. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, at least Marvel's giving us a lot of shit this year. Um, I think next year there's going to be more movies. I don't, I forgot what the plan for shows is. Uh, I'd say notable things I'm excited for in the future. Uh, She-Hulk, uh, wherever they're taking Matt Murdock, didn't even mention that in Spider-Man, but he's just fucking, he's just in the movie. They just dropped him in there. Uh, pretty unbelievable. Uh, not in a bad way. Uh, it's just kind of like unbelievable. Um, kind of weird how they really just drop him in there and there isn't even a post-credit scene to like contextualize the character. But, um, yeah, I, some people say he'll be in She-Hulk because he's a lawyer. Um... I don't know. I think they could give Daredevil his own Disney Plus show at some point. But anyway, uh, next year, I guess Doctor Strange comes out. And um, I, I forgot what else, but I'm not looking at a list. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what else Marvel's got. I think um, there are some rumors about Multiverse of Madness that sound cool. But I gotta say, like, the day where Marvel has all of these properties... 
like it has X Men, Fantastic Four, everything, everything. Where to the point where there's no more characters to like adapt or put in their movies. They're gonna have to start like writing really good movies because <laughs> it won't be you know they they can coast on the shock of us seeing the guy the Quicksilver from uh, Days of Future Past, even though it wasn't really him. Um, or, uh, you know, seeing Matt Murdock or seeing Tobey Maguire, you know, we, we gotta, we're going to have to move past that at some day, maybe not any time soon because there's so many things left. We got Blade, we got, you know, any other Netflix characters we got, um, you know, we haven't gotten Kang, we haven't gotten Galactus, Dr. Doom, Fantastic Four, X-Men, any of the X-Men. It'll be a while, but. I have a feeling that that kind of like gnawing feeling that Marvel's coasting on cameos and shock value a little bit is going to bother me over time. And maybe as I get older, it will make me less interesting. So, um, who knows? The future's uncertain. Um, all right. Well, I'm done here. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening. I hope it didn't go on too long, but, uh, um yeah have a good day i don't know what my next podcast will be but um maybe something star wars related maybe boba fett related um but yeah all right everyone have a good one